0: Hi, it's Dana and Dr. Mary. As part of this whole multimedia journey we're on to share Dr. Mary's descent into alcoholism and our climb out to sobriety, we'll be doing a weekly podcast to comment on the feedback we're getting and to take the conversation further. We hope you'll tune in. The beginning of now. So, Dr. Mary. Yep. (coughs) um, How has this week been for you, this first week of kind of making this public?
1: it's been it's been interesting a lot of things going on um we've been getting some good um comments from people um which we're gonna well we're gonna be talking about in a bit um we were interviewed for the local newspaper which uh, i wasn't really expecting that to happen so yeah, know that's uh, i think that's coming up on friday isn't it yes it is uh yeah so um it got it got um it, well so far it seems to be doing what we wanted to do we're getting people's attention about this issue so uh, hopefully they'll they'll uh, stay tuned for the whole journey
0: yeah one of the things that has surprised me a little bit is the number of people who misunderstood that this was three years ago mm, I've had a couple you. I've had a couple people say to me oh my gosh would you like help getting your husband into treatment and those kinds of things which just surprised me because I felt like we were pretty clear but just to be super clear, Uh, Maz went into the hospital February 1st, 2017 and went immediately after almost two weeks in the hospital from there into rehab for four and a half weeks before coming home and has not been back to the hospital or rehab since. Has remained gloriously sober. What's that phrase you like? An alcoholic enjoying sobriety? Yes. Uh, Has been an alcoholic enjoying sobriety for three years and now four days. No, it's the 5th of February Oh, it is, yes Yes, you're jumping the gun, I'm thinking of my
1: birthday, I'm going back for my birthday My navel, my belly button birthday Not my sobriety birthday
0: Yes, so three years And four days Um, So in case anyone Is listening and is concerned We don't need to get Maz back into Rehab He's (laughs) fabulously sober and has been for A number of years now Um, So one of the things that I kind of screwed up in the video and corrected, but screwed up was this idea of wondering whether or not um, smart people struggle more, excuse me, more with addiction or admitting to addiction because they are so used to um, being in charge and having people Kind of give them deferential treatment, you know, doctors and lawyers and academics and sort of this very white collar class. Um, and you have a friend who wrote this really fabulous note that I just want to read with his permission. He said, Hey, just read, watched your blog, powerful stuff, and certainly resonates with my wife and me. I'm proud of you and Dana for being willing to tell others about your story. I particularly enjoyed your discussion about high functioning alcoholics and considering my past, I agree. Maybe it isn't alcoholism that's harder for us, but maybe the standards to doubt us are higher since how could the MD or PhD be a drunk? Also, maybe we're better liars. And so that's really had me thinking about this idea of um, sort of acceptable, heavy drinking. And I think there is this weird, um, acceptability, almost, um, expectation that middle or upper middle class or wealthy people would not just drink, but that they would drink really good whiskey or really good, um, scotch or wine or whatever it is that they drink. And so of course it's not going to be a problem. Mm -hmm. And that, I mean... That's just not been our case. So I'm wondering what your thoughts are on that because you didn't really address it when I posed it in part because I, I screwed up the question by following that up with maybe stupid people are stupid, which was not what I meant. What I meant was maybe people who are not in these positions um, don't struggle with it the same way. So what's your thought on that? Um,
1: I. Oh yeah. I think my friend who wrote this is actually, you know, he kind of um, hits it, um, hits the nail on the head. Um, mm. you, you, people do expect that um, professionals can't become alcoholics. A lot of people think that when you think of an alcoholic, most people think of um, like a homeless person who, who's slurring their words, hanging out by a train station or something. That isn't the case at all. They are the unfortunate alcoholic who still suffers. And in fact, in every AA meeting, we say the Serenity Prayer for them, the alcoholic still suffering. Um, but uh, yeah, there is. There, it is an interesting thing, though. A lot of it's weird the way you said that. A lot of people do assume that intelligent people can't be alcoholics
0: or just that there's like, there's a different standard. I mean, we've certainly been at events or um, people's homes where a lot of alcohol has been consumed and that's pretty standard. Um, so I, it's just, as we continue to see more and more statistics talking about the rise of functioning alcoholism or the highly educated alcoholics or all those pieces, I think we have to really stop and assess how we socially view class and drinking.
1: Yes, because um, you know how, how the, the, the disease um, affects every can affect people throughout. You know there is no class divide for this disease. It is a disease. There's no class divide for schizophrenia, cancer, um, motor neuron disease. It, it, it can literally affect anybody.
0: Yeah. Um, somebody else wrote to us, let me pull it up. Cause I found it really
1: interesting. Actually, why are you trying to find that? Another sure. thing that this friend of ours, we were talking about when we quoted, when I, when we asked him, if we could use his quote, he actually said, yes, of course I'd be honored. And then he added that, um, he certainly thought that seeking treatment felt harder for him but that's because maybe his ego got in the way then he finished by saying one thing I love about AA is that it makes everybody equal
0: Mm, yeah
1: and you are you're not judged Um, and there are AA meetings that can can fit everyone there are some that can be religious there are some that aren't there are some that actually cater for non-Christians and they're all out there there's about a hundred going on a week anywhere in the Fargo-Moorhead area and they're all slightly different so you just have to work your way down a list and find one you like for yourself.
0: We have a friend who wrote and said um, even though it was just something you wondered Dana it occurred to me that during certain times of my life when I've dealt with depression was I able to get through it because of my problem solving skills. Do some people intelligent or not have some weird ability to solve their own stuff? And my, I, I, there's sort of two parts to that, this idea of problem-solving skills being an asset in terms of trying to dig yourself out of something. Um, I think that's one thing, and I guess I'm curious, and you know, this is from a purely non-medical, non-expert um, conversation. But do you, do you think that there is a distinct difference between people dealing with depression and people dealing with addiction? Or do you think that they can be similar kinds of um, mental health challenges? And do you think that addiction is a mental health challenge?
1: It's definitely a disease of the mind, but so is depression. But they're two very different things. Not everyone who gets depressed starts drinking heavily. And some people that drink heavily don't get depressed i mean you are miserable but there's a huge difference between that and clinical depression and you know clinical depression is also the way addiction where well, the way the mind works and my understanding of it you get chemical cues and and um, chemical receptors in your brain that trigger different parts of your brain's function and it is a it's an imbalance in the the chemistry of of, of your brain that does cause behavioral traits um, um, susceptibility to certain diseases like alcoholism. Um, hmm. You know, overstimulating the, the pleasure center makes an addiction happen, and then when that feedback goes to your frontal cortex and it rewires your personality, when all you're interested in is what you're addicted to, and that's where you get the personality traits, the mood swings, like lack, lack of interest and in, and in things you used to be interested in, and that's different from depression.
0: So she she asked this second part question, then do some people intelligent or not have some weird ability to solve their own stuff? And you kind of referenced this the other day with this idea that you don't have to go into treatment to go to AA. You don't have to almost die to go to AA. But my question for you is really. You and I uh, struggled with this and I used struggled very, very loosely with this issue in your life and in our lives for a lot of years. I could never have gotten you to solve this on your own. So um, what what is that about? Because I asked you a question in the video. I asked you if, if someone we knew had done this work, had done this writing and this video and podcasting, and I had shown it to you would it have made a difference to you mm. three and a half years ago? And I think you misunderstood me in the video.
1: Oh, now, sure. Then I, I don't know. Um, that's a hard one. I think, no. I'm a, I'm a vastly different person now than I was then. Yes. Um, yes. I had lost my ability to listen.
0: Mm.
1: In fact, when you, when you start hearing and reading my side of this story was uh, when, I'm, when um, I <laughs> had the fortune of um, ending up in um, a fantastic counsellor by the name of Don't Joanne. give too much away. Uh, well, okay. Well, I can tell you her name. Okay. Uh, Joanne Spearing. She... Um, Showed me the error of my ways. Let's let's put it. Yes, that she did. She was um, <laughs> fantastic. Wow. Is the word we could look for there?
0: Uh, militant is maybe a word. But I she, had, she had, to use. had
1: to be. Yeah. I was. I was in that mindset.
0: Yeah.
1: I thought I knew the answer. I thought I could fix me because, like you said, I had all this education. Of course, I could fix this. I can fix things all the time. Yeah. But tragically wrong. Didn't understand it. Somebody asked me today,
0: did you know you were an alcoholic? Oh, and I couldn't answer that.
1: Do you know, I, think, I been think I've been thinking about this more since we started this, this journey together, you and I am. Um, I think I did. Part of me was too frightened to do anything. Part of me was too depressed to do anything. And I think a part of me weirdly had resigned Oh, had just kind of given into it. I kind of, part of me did kind of give up. Did you like being drunk? No, God no. I I was miserable all the time. Did you did you know what you looked like? Uh, No, you know I think I might done actually. I'm going to take that no straight back. I. I think I was getting depressed because I didn't look great, but I didn't know what to do. Hmm. I had no idea what to do.
0: Why? So so this is where intelligence is so confusing to me. So when I came to see you in rehab on visiting hours and we were in a big public room sitting at tables with other addicts and their guests, I would look around that room and... Um, Many of the people in that room looked the way we uh, stereotypically expect alcoholics to look, and they—they um, just—they seemed like usual suspects to be there. If we're just going to make really broad blanket statements, you did not. So, um, why did you not know what to do when? There's so much conversation in the world and so many resources that are readily available. And I don't ask that from a critical standpoint because the same can be said of me, how did I really not know? Well, because when you're in it, it's different than to look back on it. But I I guess what I'm trying to get to is just, are we actually going to be able to make a difference for anybody doing this because I don't think this would have made a difference for you.
1: Would someone who's knocking back their sixth whiskey think, well, I could fix this, no. But will this make a difference to someone who is four days sober, just getting over mm. detox? Yes, I... Yeah, I think so, and I absolutely hope so, and that's that's the driving force, at least for me, for this, because they're the worst. That's the worst time, when you're mm-hmm. sober and you start to realise what you've done to yourself. And then you've got that decision to make. Can I keep going, not having a drink, or when can I get out of here and find a bar? And I have met many people who have done the ladder and gone out and found a bar. Found a bar. I found. I've met people. It breaks your heart who they do the five, six weeks in 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 rehab. rehab, and they get out. They say goodbyes, and go to a bar. Wake up three days later, they're on the fourth floor of Prairie St John in the in the, the um, secure psychiatric unit.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I just, I I really have been thinking about this a lot lately and I, for me, part of this is that I didn't know anybody like us who was going through this. And I never knew how to articulate exactly what we were going through. So I just kind of didn't talk about it with very many people. Um, I suppose in part because I, wow, I was ashamed of this. I, you know, I probably had kind of a badge of unearned honor on my shoulders that I, I guess you have chips on your shoulders and you wear a badge, whatever. I had something somewhere that, um, you know, I didn't really drink and I didn't come from a family of drinkers and blah, blah, blah. So I, I suppose that's part of what kept me from talking about it, but I also just felt like well we don't we're not like
1: quote unquote an alcoholic family. Wow. Yeah, but then again, you know, I most people I know they had parents who drank, and mine didn't. My dad was a teetoler. He never drank. He got drunk when he was fifteen, never drank again. Now his father was an alcoholic. My other grandfather was an alcoholic. I certainly have alcoholic uncles and aunts but my mother and my dad never drank and one of the things that I found and well, we found interesting was when I got out of um, Prairie like when I graduated from Prairie St John we went to see a couples counselor for a few weeks and he told me I was at an advantage because I had late-onset alcoholism I, mean, I was 47 um, and I know these 20-year-olds who are, you know, just tr- struggling with it. But he told me I had the years I wasn't an alcoholic and what I'd done before this disease um, came about and changed my personality. I had that to, to use as an anchor point and fall back on. And it, it has been a lot easier. Yeah. You're talking to these people, they think, oh, my God, I wish I had that. and they just don't. Yeah, if, you're, if your whole adult existence
0: is centered around drinking, who even are you when you're sober? Yeah. You have a long history of knowing who you were as a sober person.
1: Because I could remember what I used to be like, and I, that helped me get to where I am today. Um, but if you don't have that, you, it's, it's, a, it's a longer, lumpier, lumpier, bumpier road back. A lot of potholes in it.
0: Well, and I think that was what made this so impossible for me to give up on was I met you as a non-alcoholic. Yeah. And I knew you for years as a non-alcoholic. So I just... I just couldn't figure out where the you I knew had gone.
1: Yeah, it, it, I couldn't tell you either.
0: And I, honest. I couldn't... I felt like I felt like I was walking in a really crazy dense fog looking for a key to unlock a door and I didn't know where the key was and I didn't know where the door was I just knew that somewhere in the fog both of these things existed and it was so frustrating cuz I couldn't I couldn't touch anything and feel like I was moving forward I just I felt like you and I would make a little progress and then we'd fall back and we'd make a little progress and we'd fall back and it was so maddening to me because it, it, wow, it caused me to question everything I thought I knew about you, everything I thought I even knew about myself. I
1: I actually, yeah, well I had to question everything I knew about me too.
0: Yeah, it would be interesting if you and I could swap brains for a little bit of about three and a half years ago to see how closely aligned our confusion in all this was to see just to see how similar things were and then again to see how different
1: yeah well i guess it's one of the reasons why i guess we're doing this anyway
0: yeah well i'm sure happy to be on this end of it for today
1: me too lover me too
0: you know um i think one of the things that we both really want to stress and i i only know this because of you is just this idea that we're not saying oh isn't it excellent maz is in alcohol remission and we'll never get alcoholism again we we don't live or we don't live that way we don't talk that way we don't even think that way because it could be it could change. I don't believe that it will.
1: Yeah, well, I, I am an alcoholic. I have been wonderfully sober for three years. You know, AA is, It's there's sayings. You think, oh, you know, one day at a time, you know, in every life a little rain must fall. Things like that, but they do mean something because it is. You wake up in the morning, you get through the day didn't have a drink you didn't think about having a drink you go to sleep you wake up you do it again i mean it's life but some someone once said to me it's, it's life but looking over your shoulder
0: Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm.
1: because you're kind you have to be aware that something might be coming interesting and that sounds like you're living scared but you know a little a little healthy feel you know yeah, a little healthy a little fear fit.
0: is not is not unhealthy
1: but that fear I know, has pushed people to say, "Oh, I can't do this anymore, it's too much hard work, and yeah, that's when they think, "'ll oh, relax a little," and well, you know the phrase they use is do a little research, but you know sadly, ultimately, it means you fall off the wagon. but there is a difference which we'll probably talk about in more length later on at some point, about the difference between a relapse and a lapse, which is something I learned that is fascinating.
0: Yes, it is. I will say this is not an education I would have chosen, but um, it's an education I'm happy to have because I think it gives me a vocabulary that I never, ever, ever would have had in any other way. And it it has given you and me a platform, I think, from which to try to think through this and talk talk through some of this and and Continue to deepen our understanding of it for ourselves, and hopefully for other people too.
1: Mm-hmm. Definitely.
0: Anything else?
1: <sighs> oh, I don't. This never gets old saying this, but I, I uh, it's been a hell of a, it's th- uh, been a hell of a three years. Thank you, Dee.
0: You're welcome. It has. Thank you. Thanks to everybody who has taken the time to read the post or watch the video, um, to comment, to share, to tell us your personal stories, uh, just to be part of this journey with us. We really appreciate it. So tune in Saturday and you can read Dr. Mary's first blog post. And then next Tuesday, you can watch the video and conversation of that post. And next Thursday, you can listen to um, another podcast of his post from England. So we will talk to you next week. Thanks again. Have a great day. Bye-bye.